0: darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down will stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. <laughs>
1: sit down and
0: grab a glass Sinead Ross and Niall have made
1: a podcast it's the real take breaking it down having fun and talking movies Da, 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 da. talking movies. Why hello there And welcome film fans to our spectacular edition of the Real Take, the podcast made by film fans for film fans. And tonight, as we are nearing Halloween, the time of year where ghouls and ghosts come out to play, where things that go bump in the night, and monsters roam, we thought it would be a good idea to explore creatures that have scared audiences for generations we are talking monster movies and Russ and here how are you doing guys
0: very oh, very scared here our knees are knocking and our <laughs> our shivers are timbered no sorry that's pirates <laughs> that's, pirates. that's pirates actually
2: strange enough to you know this halloween is the first halloween in a good few years where there's actually going to be a full moon on halloween night Ooh. so it'll be extra Ooh. creepy
1: It will be extra creepy. And, you know, thanks for that because really this time of the year and anything connected to Halloween or, you know, monsters just scares the absolute bejesus out of me. I think we'll find as this podcast progresses that I am the absolute wimp of the trio (laughs) i am that one who is like screaming in the cinema at nothing um
0: (laughs) i have been to see romantic comedies with you where you scream yeah
1: well you know the horror can lie in all sorts of genres (laughs) Uh, but you know monsters they've been propping up in in stories for centuries, uh, the fictional characters such as the boogeyman, the werewolf, vampire, they're usually seen in sort of cautionary tales, folklore, designed to keep people on the straight and narrow uh, in life and kind of away from from sin. So this is kind of where, I suppose, monsters started appearing, first of all. And I think, like, look, I'm sure there was way more monsters written down in folklore throughout the years. But um, I know that the summer of 1816 a group of friends gathered in a villa in Lake Geneva Oh yes post- I re- I remember story. it well You remember <laughs> it
0: there do you Well Byron was there yes. and she- uh, Shelley and his wife yeah yeah
1: Absolutely and this of course was you know the the birth of Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus and uh this is kind of uh, one of those books um that stays with you kind of uh, I I remember studying it in college and it's just fantastic but this is where you know i actually for years and i think i don't think i'm alone here i actually thought frankenstein was the actual undead brought back to life monster but of course that's not the case at all he is the scientist Mm.
0: that's a real famous well actually thing yeah if you want to and you'll know and i used to be the guy who goes well did you know that's, that's surprising though be, the, <laughs> the well, actually, guy. I've tried to stem my my baser instincts and improve myself, but I still have a little bit there.
1: Well, you see, I like I like well, actually, guy, because he teaches <laughs> me something all the time. Oh, okay. um, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of those ones that stayed with me um for being utterly frightening. and again, it's kind of like, who is the monster in mm. this, you know, and that's kind of gonna be my team i think uh throughout uh, my picks for this evening but in terms of cinema and cinema history like really I'm, I'm not sure i suppose the very first appearance of of a monster it was definitely in the 1900s uh i did come across um a film i think it's from 1915 called the golem or the Go- golem or something uh, no
0: the, mm. yeah well, golem or golem yeah. yeah it's a jewish jewish uh, folklore
1: was that like I, I don't know? That's as early as I could see in terms of uh, cinema going back, and yeah. I would have thought that the 1922 film Nosferatu was kind of one of the first monsters appearing on screen.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could you could be you could be right there. A lot of those early movies that dealt with subjects like that, and people have been going to the cinema to see what would you say the fantastic, mm. um, you know, the the uh, supernormal, the or paranormal. Uh, since there has been cinema. So um, a lot of those movies have been lost to time, unfortunately. But you could be right. The the Gollum certainly would be one of those uh, early, early movies.
2: I think monsters and, you know, they certainly, as soon as storytelling was taking place, even in this country, in Ireland, um, you know there's always been stories of banshees and Ooh. leprechauns since storytelling existed you know and before that if you look at greek mythology and stuff like minotaurs and stuff like that so it's always been part of our storytelling culture so it makes sense that as soon as we start making movies we start showing monsters as well
0: yeah absolutely yeah just yeah. um while you were talking about uh, Shelley and the uh, uh, that that meeting where i think also the first kind of recorded vampire dr polidori uh, created Ruthven the vampire which then would go on to inspire bram stoker um have you seen there's a, a 1986 horror movie about that meeting called gothic have no, you seen that seen no. 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 starring our own gabriel byrne playing oh. byron and mm. julian sands plays Shelley, and natasha richardson as mary Shelley, um and uh, miriam sear as claire claire or claire claremont yeah Uh, And Timothy Spall is in there as Polidori, who created what is recognized as one of the first vampires in literature. But uh, that's a it's an interesting movie. It's a it's a very 80s Ken Russell movie. But, Mm. you know, if you're interested in the birth of horror in literature, it's a good film to see.
1: Oh, that is that is one definitely to to, to to go back to um and you know i think in terms of cinema as well you know as as ross mentioned there they have been on the screen such a long time and you know we we all can go back to those real kind of iconic performances like you know uh boris Karloff and frankenstein mm. Um, of course myrno's nosferatu being the you know one of the first kind of uh, vampire movies as well um and of course, werewolves—the whole shebang—they all they all pop up all the time. But I think what I really found fascinating about these uh, movies as well is what they are saying about society at the time. Because more often than not, in in the horror movie genre and in the monster movie genre, the monster is representing something that mankind is mm, trying to wrap its head around, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and doesn't really like. Let's say, um, mm. you know, so you have, uh, you know, things like say, um for when when example uh the the uh the hammer horror kind of versions of dracula came about that was when dracula went from being this kind of anemic uh let's just say weirdo to <laughs> <laughs> to a sex symbol you know yeah. that was uh, the start
0: i guess of sexy sexy dracula yeah sexy bella Lugosi, now don't get me wrong bella Lugosi, very handsome man very charismatic but uh you know it's christopher lee He's just got it over him a little bit on sex appeal. He
1: does in the sex appeal. And, of course, this was around the time, you know, it was responding to the sexual revolution. And, of course, Kinsey uh, and his famous papers as well came out kind of around this time. So, you know, they were responding to this. And this is when, I suppose, well, to be fair, Dracula's always kind of had that kind of seductive quality about him, you know, and uh, allure, let's say, as well. The whole idea of uh the the biting of the neck, all of that. Like it has complete sexual connotations, I suppose, no matter what vampire uh you know or what sort of image he's he yeah. comes in, you know. Yeah. Um then, you know, you, you move into say uh, you know, I suppose the the one that I would have been kind of introduced to uh in the eighties of course is, you know, which will be my main pick of the night, um, is things like, you know, the Last boys fright night where uh oh vampire... fright night's
0: fantastic yes. why didn't i do fright night mm. <laughs> i should have done fright Night tonight
1: when you know the vampires of course uh they are still very very seductive but it's for a different reason it is you know responding to, to the drugs and and aids epidemic yeah that was yeah. corrupting the youth mm. you know so that's and that's weird. i mean
0: I, a lot of people have have done a, a revisionist reading i guess i'm not sure nobody would know unless bram stoker was asked about you know is was dracula a metaphor for syphilis mm. uh, you know mm. it had that that impact even i think when it came out
2: absolutely and you'd see when when monsters are brought to the fore it's often reflecting kind of societal values or societal issues as you were saying like one really famous example would be Godzilla, uh, the original film from 1954 from Japan. And of course, 1954, that's not very far removed from the dropping of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And Godzilla was meant to reflect that. So in in some ways, you can have a monster in this uh, example, reflecting the horrors of nuclear warfare.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I actually saw uh, the clip um, when Godzilla arrives and the guy's on the news reel, you know, and he's <laughs> recording it and they have their, their defence uh, systems all that, set that up. That
0: guy is Raymond Burr. He's a classic <laughs> actor. He played Perry Mason and he was, I mean, interesting. Russell this, I think... Uh, the the original godzilla movie obviously was made in japan and what mm. they did was they took that japanese movie movie and just had raymond burr kind of give commentary on it <laughs> yeah. which was a great way i suppose to introduce it to a, a, an audience in 1954
2: absolutely yeah
1: so yeah so they, we've got we've got monsters in in literally all shapes and forms popping up here but what you know we, we've established that i'm the scary cat uh what kind of things freaked you out as a kid like do you remember the first kind of monster type movie that you would have seen or what was it that kind of freaked you out uh at the you know around this kind of time of the year halloween and all that sort of stuff
0: you go first ross because chronologically i think my Halloween, my first freddy one is going to be much further back than yours
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yours was when the shana was telling you about the banshees um Uh, mine was, I suppose, I remember I've always liked horror movies, but the, the the thing that still freaks me out, and I'm not sure if they'd be classified as, as monsters, but they probably are, but it's children, <laughs> 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 um, specifically children yeah. in horror movies, you know, especially if they have polite British accents and if they <laughs> sing little creepy oh. um, nursery rhymes or something right. like that. Um, I well, they're often, um, they're often what you call it, uh, overtaken by the spirit of a or of a goose or, or a ghost or a or, or a ghost or gowl. <laughs> let me try that again. They're often overtaken by the spirit of, uh, like an evil demon or something like that. But that for me, uh, that'd be my. There's something there's something because you presume a child is going to be really vulnerable and stuff like that, but mm. they have this, yeah, they have this otherworldly kind of um, energy to them. And that always freaked me out and probably still does a little, does a little bit to this day, you know. Uh, how about yourself, Niall? What, what freaks you uh, out?
0: Well, I was just going to ask you about Creepy Children, and yeah. that's a great pick. Have you seen a uh, uh, 1957 film called The Midwich Cuckoos?
2: No, I don't. Would I uh, sleep?
0: Okay, it's black and white. You will not sleep after watching this. It's (laughs) written. It's based on a novel which is written by the guy John Wyndham, who people would know as the writer of *The Day of the Triffids*, and is the creepiest children's horror movie where you see creepy children in of all time. So check that one out, Ross, and then (laughs) take a week off work because you're not gonna, you're not gonna sleep. Well, I, um, I won't
2: do it around Halloween Because I don't want trick-or-treaters I'm not sure if there will be Trick-or-treaters <laughs> this year With Covid But they definitely As long be as they, they don't two, yeah. They'll be more than Two metres away Of them after watching that movie <laughs>
0: As long as they don't arrive With glowing eyes And a bold Blonde bowl cut. All those kids in that movie have glowing eyes and a bond. A blonde oh, I've bowl seen, cut. I've seen parts you of that movie seen, before. You will have seen, yeah, you will have, because it's it's so it's famous. Quite famous, I guess. yeah. And, and that, it was remade. Inspired, I think. in the
2: 80s. Did that inspire Children of the Corn, or was that around the same time?
0: Um, I mean, in the same way, I think that uh, Stephen King would have uh, always, you know, taken stuff from yeah. from various sources. So, mm,
2: yeah, absolutely. But
0: uh, the one I think that I remember stopping me from sleeping and I didn't even see the film I just saw the odds on TV because I was one of those children who was lucky enough to have a TV in their bedroom so the parents weren't kind of going turn that off now and go to bed and I think that explains a lot about me now <laughs> <laughs> um, No More Scream Time you've had enough Um and it is The Fly the remake oh, yes. the oh, yeah. Yeah, David Cronenberg mm. remake and I think it's the body horror in that that got yeah. me and the idea of of a human being being transformed into something other, a monster, as we would say, mm. you know. And uh, like I say, it was years, it was years later that I saw the actual film. But I remember the ads on TV going, oh, my God, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Life is, oh, my God, the horror, the horror.
2: It's not like David Cronenberg to go all out with body horror, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But How I mean,
0: it's, it's a great movie. When I watch it now, mm. I kind of go, yeah, fantastic film. Oh,
1: great film, yeah. No, definitely, like, for me, the all-time ultimate. I can't even look at the face of it. It's The Exorcist. I watched it mm. at 13. I think we got it out of, like, the, the video library and watched it in, like, somebody's house during the day. And I was scared for life. I really was. Yeah. I just, like... And I, I
0: remember actually getting the, that video out and watching it during the day as well. And I think we talked about this, I think, a little bit on the radio about the idea of the the fact that it was a little bit forbidden in this country there was a whole thing about it oh, it yeah. was banned and all that mm.
2: that yeah. makes it all the more seductive and kind of yeah. scary you know yeah. especially when you you put something like i know uh some films have this like cool thing around them where a lot of people in the exorcist involved were had unfortunate circumstances afterwards the same actually with poltergeists as well and um, there's a lot of unfortunate circumstances with certain cast members and you know, people involved in the production and although it's entirely coincidental of course it, it kind of adds the mythos of the movie and gives it another air of mysteri- uh, mystery which uh, makes it all the more appealing and terrifying
1: yeah and like I just wonder though do they have very clever marketing people that just leak these <laughs> stories because I yeah. just can't cope with that Ross okay like, there's well, nothing look- that can help- Clever, me, marketing do you think... <laughs> clever marketing does help too clever
2: marketing does help as well because does, you look at does, it, the, the, Blair I, I, witch, I... the Blair witch project that was all yeah. done on clever marketing you know yes. yeah. well
0: i just i don't think that william friedkin was re- ringing up the vatican going really help us out if you could yeah. ban this in several <laughs> countries
2: <laughs> fair point
1: uh, okay so getting down to our monsters tonight then um ross what are we looking at first for you
2: right well i suppose to kind of um to kind of preamble my piece, I want to talk about the the most terrifying monster of all. And I suppose when you're talking about all these terrifying on-screen monsters, we are forgetting the most obvious and that is man. <laughs> 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 well think about it though, the most terrifying monsters are usually just people. Hannibal Lecter, yes he's a cannibal, but also just a man. Uh, all the killers on Scream, they're all people. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure, they're hicks and they like Chainsaws and a bit of incest, but they're still just people. Um, Psycho, a bit of a mummy's boy. Uh, He's still a killer, though, and terrifying, and he's just a man who sometimes stresses as a woman. American Psycho, he loves Phil Collins. Sure, who doesn't? He's over-concerned about business cards, but again, just a guy. Even in Monster, Charlie Saron is the titular character, and she is a woman. Think of every episode. Well spotted. Yeah, there you go. None gets fired. Um,
0: I I really hope that you're about to say, think of every episode of the Cosby Show,
2: because
1: <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. That's a good point.
2: I'll go a bit more PC. Think of every episode of Scooby Doo. How about oh. that? Uh, and so you have uh, you have loads of ghosts and ghouls and mummies and goblins and so on and so forth. But who's the bad guy? That's right. It always ends up being us. Uh, so do you accept that as my entry? Is that okay?
0: Oh, uh, choose. we'll have to because it goes in complete con- contradiction to what I have for my picks, but all right.
2: No, I'm not going to accept that. I'm only messing with you. Um, uh, oh, he, he, he tricked us. A, a double twist. That's what it's like called. Like history's <laughs> greatest monster. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but look, when you're talking about movie monsters, uh, what makes those characters I just mentioned so terrifying is because they're just like us. They're people. And when you apply that to a movie... It can be particularly effective if you're talking about zombies. And uh, in particular, I want to talk about a movie that brought zombie movies into the public consciousness. And that is Night of the Living Dead from 1968. It's actually a film I would meaning to watch for years and years. I had seen Dawn of the Dead. I think that was the first one I saw. And uh, this was one that had been on the list. And I was just earlier this year i actually watched it for the first time and i was blown away i absolutely love it it's uh, it basically follows a a bunch of uh, kind of survivors who've holed up in this farmhouse uh, in the countryside to escape from the undead and uh, a radio broadcast they're listening to tells us that the redead have reanimated and they're now attacking the living uh the movie it was made on an absolute shoestring budget. It was made for uh, just under one hundred fifteen thousand US dollars, um, but it went on to make eighteen million dollars, which is incredible when you think about it. That's that's like two hundred and fifty times its budget. Um, it was. Filmed in black and white, if, for anyone who's seen it. And it looks fantastic. But two things really surprised me about it. It's surprisingly gory for a film from 1968. I mean, there's guts, there's bloods, there's there's people being eaten and attacked uh, by, by zombies. Um, which I found very surprising to be so graphic for, from, for such an early film. And also the fact that they have a black actor, uh, Dwayne Jones. He plays the hero of the movie. And he's easily the calmest and most resourceful character in the whole bunch Director George A. Romero, apparently he didn't really think too much about race when he was doing the casting, Uh, certainly not as much as the critics or people reading into the movie afterwards did. Uh, He simply hired him because he was the best person at the audition, Uh, but everyone else was reading into it thinking, oh, why is he casting a black actor as the hero? Which would have been maybe controversial at the time because there's a lot of race problems in, in the US. I know they haven't gone away, but. Certainly in the late 60s, they were very prevalent. And to have a, a black he- hero being the most calm and uh, coordinated person uh, leading a, a bunch of white people, I thought it was fantastically forward thinking, I suppose, for the time. Um, but, you know, this is a, a great movie and it has all the tropes which have since become mainstays in zombie horror movies. Um, what I love about this movie most is that it brought zombie movies <laughs> Into the public consciousness, uh, it by all means wasn't the first zombie movie, um, but it was the one that brought brought it into notoriety, uh, made it famous. Uh, and strangely enough, there is one word that this film is missing. Do you know what it is?
0: Zombie. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they are never referred to they as zombies.
2: Like a, yeah. yeah, they're called either the undead or go or ghouls um, through the majority of it. Um, But yeah, look, when this film was released, and I think it's something I love about zombie movies, is you can put a load of your own meaning into what the zombies represent. But when the film was released, a lot of people mused that the undead represented, could have been civil unrest or could have been the Vietnam War, Uh, you know, obviously big issues in, in the 60s. That's what I love, as I said, about horror movies. They can they can be used to represent lots of societal issues, just like Godzilla back in the 50s representing uh, nuclear fallout. Uh, like, if you look at 1978's Dawn of the Dead, which I was talking about earlier on, and it's it's, it's part of the, the same franchise, the zombies there probably represent consumerism, especially when they're holed up in a, in a shopping mall. Um, and when George A. Romero was making uh night of the living dead he kind of based the the undead or the the ghouls uh on on the creatures on the vampire like creatures actually in 1954's book i am legend which has since been adapted to, on the screen three times uh we did the last man on earth in 1968 uh, omega man with Charlton Heston in 1971 and probably most recent or probably most recognisably or or certainly most recently was with... with, Not to me, not to me. (laughs) No, it's Omega Man all the way. And I I think actually when, when I was talking about how man is the monster as well, I was kind of just joking around. But I suppose that was really the point of the... Uh, the book I Am Legend it was he spends all the time thinking that the vampire-like creatures are the monster and at the end he comes to realise he himself is the monster yeah, and that's yeah. a whole point that kind of the 2007 film kind of glossed over Oh it totally <laughs> did it was really
1: disappointing because I'm a real fan of the book as well and I was like what? That's not it
2: Yeah and it and We, we don't
0: deep. often talk about books on this uh, on this <laughs> podcast but uh, it's a it's a quick read and it is. you know mm. It's really worthwhile, it's a great, it's one of those, Richard Matheson, fantastic writer who is uh, responsible for a lot of uh, works that have been turned into movies and franchises and things like that, but um, I Am Legend is great.
2: And I will say actually one thing in defence of 2007's I, uh, I Am Legend with Will Smith, if there's anyone who's a fan of Fate No More or maybe Mr. Bungle, or any of those um, bands which feature the vocal stylings of Mike Patton, um he actually does all the voices of the zombies in that movie, which I think you'll agree are fantastic, oh, yeah he yeah, and um, there's a video of him doing it, and he said he had great time, a great time doing it because he obviously plays in quite extreme bands, um, you know, more, much more extreme than Fate and no more. And he does a lot of, say, screaming in his performances like that. And he said it was just like doing a show like that, and you can see him screaming his head off in a recording booth. <laughs> but it's fantastic, and it, you know, it, it works for the movie. Um, it's it's kind of-
0: it's not a bad movie. It's not. We're being, I guess, uh, we're comparing it to better versions of that story, but it's a good film.
2: Oh, absolutely! I think the only part I'm not about, annoyed about, it is a gloss over the main point really of the, of the uh, the book. But besides that, it was a thoroughly enjoyable uh, watch. But um, anyway, yeah, going back to Night of the Living Dead, there were there was five subsequent films, um, in the series. But f- for me, it was this movie that really had a massive impact on movies and horror movies in particular. Um, it told future horror creators like John Carpenter, Wes Craven, a lot of people are doing slasher movies in the 80s, that really, you can make a really effective and terrifying horror movie on a tiny, tiny budget. You don't need to be splashing out. And it also showed, the peop- uh, showed people that there was a real appetite for movie gore, guts and blood splatter, which I think you'll agree is something we've seen a lot more of since night of night of the living dead um it's it's still a really well considered film more than 50 years after its release and still terrifying and it's been added of course to the US library of congress national film registry um and since then there's just been a million zombie movies in the meantime in every genre uh, and, and there's the good the bad the occasionally the very the great and some very funny ones as well <laughs> and i think we can all thank george a romero for making that happen, it was Night of the Living Dead in 1968 that did that. As I said, not the first zombie movie by, by by any account, but it was the most important zombie movie. And it's probably the reason why we're still watching and they're still making zombie movies to this day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I, t- I, t- I think you're absolutely right. And I think more than, as as much as Bram Stoker didn't create vampires... Mm. Uh George A. Romero didn't create zombies, but he is as responsible for what we term zombies or the modern zombie now if you like, all the way up to the living dead and mm. you know, movies like or sorry, the what's the The Walking Dead, I'm thinking. The, the Walking TV Dead, show. yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can really see that influence.
2: And I I suppose before George A. Romero um, a lot of the zombies—they were kind of based on Haitian voodoo and stuff like that. And yeah, the yeah. the kind of um, zombies we saw in movies um, before that—they were people say who had been there'd been a spell cast on them or on an undead person who 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 did put a spell on to do their evil doing. So it wasn't quite a, the herd of yeah. zombies looking deep brains he- and stuff.
0: Yeah, he kind of um, um, originated the idea of a, some kind of a cosmic event or a mm. natural event that made the dead come to life. Before that, as you say, zombies were, it It was a part of Haitian uh, culture, the mm. idea that the dead could be brought back to life to do the bidding of a black magician. And we've seen that in some, like, there's a great movie called Black Rainbow Starring Bill Pullman. If you want to see Bill Pullman as a kind of Indiana Jones character who goes against zombies, although <laughs> it's a I bit obviously. more downbeat than that, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I'm I think, check it out. Uh, definitely, like I, I like vampire kind of movies, zombie movies. We definitely, as you said, uh, Ross, there's such a huge, huge appetite still for that. Like, I mean, I just loved um, the way uh, Danny Boyle flipped mm. the whole thing on, on its head and made them you know far from shuffling and moaning yeah. and groaning they are like you know like uh i don't know just racing through streets you know running a full pelt yeah yeah, yeah. totally and actually it, it when it comes to even that more terrifying you know
2: i remember when i came in and i remember watching um 27 days later and then watching 27 weeks later and i remember finding. Oh, 20, did I say 27? We'll, we'll get letters. Me. We'll get letters. Excuse me, sorry. Excuse me. 28 days later. My apologies. Um, you know, one day before would have been fine. Um, 20, 28 days later and 28 weeks later. I remember watching those the first time. And my, uh, obviously the running is terrifying because there's much more of an obvious threat. But I, I think there's something about the slow, lumbering, never stopping. It's kind of like the same way, like, It Follows was scary because yeah, they're not running yeah. after you. There's something about them kind of lumbering in the distance. and They're relentless get too close, and they, yeah. they won't be
0: stopped. Yeah.
2: But I, I, I did like his take on it as well because they both are terrifying, but just in different ways. Uh,
1: so, Niall, what are you looking at?
0: I am looking at what I thought this entire thing was about, which is Monsters. So I did <laughs> a lot of research. No, well, now I don't know about that. Oh, I did no, a lot of research, me, okay, come on. a lot of research about what a monster movie is compared to a horror movie. Okay. okay. Um, and when I say a lot of research, I looked it up on Google before this. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I basically couldn't get a, a definitive answer. So, I mean, you could term a monster movie... Godzilla, which, you know, Mm -hmm. was about a giant monster who attacks things. Or something like uh, the 50s movie Them, which is about giant ants that attack Mm -hmm. things. Or you could just talk about basically anything with something supernatural in it. Like you said, Ross, man is the greatest monster. Uh But I would not call a movie with, like, you know, I don't know, a serial killer like Psycho. That's not a monster movie, really. No, no, that's fair. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. So what i the conclusion I came down to is that although horror movies can have monsters in them, not all monster movies are horror movies. And the other thing i I realized is that horror movies, or sorry, monster movies, specifically, like you said, Ross, can be analogies and can tell you different stories than just about a giant creature destroying a city. Mm. So I've got a couple of honorable mentions, which I always do. And the first one I'd like to talk about, I don't know if either of you have seen it, is a 2016 film called A Monster Calls, directed by J.A. Bayona.
2: No. Never seen it.
0: Okay, well, well, you should really see this. This is a fantastic film based on a young adult novel um, uh, and uh, it follows a young man called Connor and his mother is very sick. You don't really know... Why is she sick? Because you you kind of follow him, so you only are aware of the information that he's given throughout the film. His dad is out of the picture. Uh, He has a hard time at school with bullies. But uh, one night he wakes up to find a 40 foot tall monster who appears outside his bedroom window saying, I have come to get you. Oh, no. And this monster is voiced by Liam Neeson. So you can imagine he oh, did it Jesus. much better than I did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I will come. I will get you. So I will, this I will is,
2: find you. <laughs>
0: yeah. I have a particular set of skills and it's being a monster. <laughs> yes. And uh, so he's a kind of ancient wild tree monster made out of this, this uh, ancient yew tree. And he comes to visit. Connor on three consecutive nights and says that every night he will tell him three different stories and after he tells him these three different stories Connor must tell him a fourth what is the
1: number three in these things seriously well
0: I think the rule of three is a big thing in folklore and you know and in podcasts you get three hosts yeah
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's all the more terrifying because
0: absolutely um and uh these stories each one As this monster tells the stories to this young boy, uh, educates him a little bit about what he's going through and ends up guiding him on a a journey about dealing with, uh, I mean, it's no no, uh, secret really. This film is about uh, bereavement and grief because you find out that Connor's mother is dealing with cancer and it's about how he processes that. And like I say, it's based on a young adult book. Uh, It was written or started by Siobhan Dowd, who actually passed away without it being finished. And Patrick Ness, who's a great author as well, he ended up finishing it. This is a great movie. I would recommend it heartily to both of you. It's got a piercing sadness that runs through it. And I wanted to talk about it particularly because... Monster was in the title but re-watching it for this I was just made aware of how good this film is and It is all about this 13 year old boy. Who's the heart of the story struggling to process uh, The bereavement and grief that he goes through. It's got a great cast Toby Kibble turns up eventually as Connor's father Sigourney Weaver plays uh, Connor's grandmother and Felicity Jones in what I think is probably the best thing I've seen him in plays Connor's mother um but the film belongs to not only Liam Neeson who's the voice of the the monster and uh the the motion capture stuff was done by Tom Holland uh oh. who had worked with the director before in a great movie called Impossible about the tsunami in in Thailand um and was a stand-in for the motion capture capture stuff but the young Scottish actor Lewis McDougall, who plays Connor in this is brilliant so do not delay go and see this film it is not a horror movie but it is a movie about the monster that we deal with in all of our lives. So that's our, that's my first honourable mention. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not a my monster second... movie, but would would it be something you'd watch at Halloween? Do you think?
0: No, no. I all mean, right. look, this is this is a tough sell. It is. I'll be honest with you because of the subject matter. But it, I think mm. it's a great film and it's really worth seeing. Yeah. And the the effects are brilliant. Every story that the tree monster tells is rendered in what i would call watercolor kind of animation mm. and each one is to help this young child deal with his uh w- his situation that he's not processing in his actual life um and it's it's a great movie yeah um the director ja bayona he did a great horror movie called orphan if you're oh, looking yeah. for a horror movie that's yes, great that's i've great. seen yeah, that, yeah. Like he is image. also i would say the natural um uh, what would you say inheritor of like if you like Guillermo del Toro you will like his stuff you know right um, yeah. now he has been seduced by Hollywood and done Jurassic Park Fallen World I think that was his last one. one oh but that, he's... Was,
2: yeah, that was yeah <laughs> but he
0: still I think he still has a great visual style and he probably has mm. a, you know some more good movies in there so My second honourable mention is Monsters from 2010, directed by Gareth Edwards, who, as we all know, went on to direct Godzilla and Rogue One, and didn't, I don't think, have as good a time directing those as he did with this one. And this one stars Scoot McNary, who I think is a great actor and has turned up in a lot of stuff, and Whitney Abel, and the plotline of this story is... Uh, six years before the action begins, NASA discovers that there is alien life in our solar system. And they send out a probe to collect samples. But it crash lands on re-entry uh, over North America. And new life forms begin to appear and evolve and grow. Um, and basically, they uh, th- there's a, it, it lands in Mexico. So all of these monsters of the title... Um, are are kind of roaming around southern America, um, and very quickly the U.S. constructs uh, a wall to keep the gigantic monstrous <laughs> creatures out. That's on the this- nose. Well, here, this was 2010. I don't. Yeah. I think it was before. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe he was watching this one night and thought it was a documentary. Yeah. Um, but it follows a photojournalist uh, called Calder, played by Scoot McNary, who is on an assignment to photograph these uh, amazing creatures. And their, you know, basically what's going on down in Mexico. But he's ordered by his editor to go and um, help his boss's daughter, uh, Samantha, played by Whitney Abel, and basically bring her back from the heart of the the monster stronghold, if you like, to America. And like you're saying, Ross, a lot of like all these monster movies, um, there is a real physical threat in here and the mm. monsters of the title. But they're also allegories. You know, this film asked the question, uh, could a panicky US government have deliberately allowed this uh this thing that was bearing these this threat to rather than crash in America to kind of divert it to bring it down in Mexico and then keep these yucky immigrant aliens out of American territory, and um it becomes a kind of Jonathan Swift uh allegory about a rich na- nation fa- fa- facing and fearing its poorer neighborhood, and we what we get in the end is a very postmodern monster movie with a very downbeat approach to its monsters itself. I think it's a better movie than his Godzilla remake and a, a very political slant. Um, but you also get this central love story between this journalist and the the woman that he, he's he been tasked with looking after. And it's a great debut from Gareth Edwards. Like we say, he went on to uh, direct 2014's Godzilla and 2016's Rogue One. But he wrote, directed, produced... And also did all of the visual effects for this himself, mostly from I think his bedroom in Wales. Wow. And it really stands up. It's a gr- it's a really good movie. It's a low-key movie. It's not a blockbuster by any by any uh by any means. Um it's a real shame that he had such a bad time, I think, on Godzilla and Rogue One and he's not really still making movies but in this film he's not afraid to channel great films like apocalypse now so you got these characters who are trying to make their way through this hostile environment to get to their uh to their uh goal if you like and it, we even get a little bit of Steven Spielberg in there with the the wonder when he does sh- finally show you these incredible monsters these creatures these aliens uh, and you don't know there's a great scene you don't know if they're if they're dancing or if they're just talking or if they're having sex but you really get a sense of kind of that Spielberg Jurassic Park that Mm. scene that wonder you know Uh, but one of the best scenes in it not to give away too much about the end is when these characters do end up at their main goal and you see this wall that the US has constructed and you just get the idea of America keeping people out and what the rest of the world should think when they look at that's what they're doing so that's my second pick <laughs> but for my main pick i would like to talk about a classic 80s movie about a group of teenage friends who join forces to defend their town against the forces of egypt Sorry, of course oh uh, yeah i'm talking about the lost boys you know yeah no, you were not no i'm not good. i'm joking i'm <laughs> joking no i'm not i'm not talking because that's yours i'm talking sure about no attention. all right yeah no i'm i'm talking about stand by me
1: Oh yes! Wait, wait, wait yeah.
0: a minute. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. Because that wouldn't scores. make any sense. Yeah. Because yeah. no monster except for keepers. Or for some you of know, yeah. the monster
1: is the people. You know. Yeah. No. It. Seriously,
0: yeah. I want to talk about the Monster Squad, and uh, if there's anything that 80s movies and Stranger Things on Netflix have taught me is that boys rule and girls drool. <laughs> what? So. Uh, unless you have superpowers. Really. If yeah. you have superpowers, girls, girls, will. but if you don't, then you, you drool. But myself and Roth, between the two of us, we have the most 80s character traits of a boys' 80s movie filled already. So we have the cool one. That's me. We have the clever one. That's me. We have the troubled bad boy. That's me. We have the shy main character with the heart of gold. That's me. And we have the mum, the one that your mother forces you to bring along on the adventure. And that's Ross. (laughs) But what I'm saying, Sinead, is that if you want to be in our gang, you need to pass the Monster Squad test. Have you seen the Monster Squad? I have not. No, I
1: haven't.
0: Well, then you will not know the answers for this then, (laughs) Sinead.
2: Us. Try us. Okay.
0: Well now, Ross, you're in there because you're a man. So Absolutely. that's fine. You don't Oh have to great. Answer. Yeah. So yeah.
1: this is just let's gang up with Sinead quiz. Other uh, basically, yeah, yeah.
0: So this is an actual quiz from the movie, The Monster Squad. And yeah, if weapon. you want to join the Monster Squad, you have to answer this. So I don't number want to join one
1: your stupid club, Right, One. Uh, I
0: think you'll get these. Okay. How do you kill a vampire?
1: Well, you can stake it to the heart.
0: I'll take that. You're in. Yeah, that's number yeah. one. How do you kill a werewolf?
1: Oh, um,
2: hang on now, hang on. What's the werewolf one? <gasps> oh that oh my one. god, someone help her. Jesus. Well, that's know. why I'm in the club. I know oh, the answer. I know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I forget. I forget it's to... a, it, it fires from a gun and oh, it's difficult. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, okay. Uh, number three, and I, I'm sure you know this one. Is Frankenstein the name of the monster or his <laughs> creator?
1: <laughs> the creator.
0: Correct. This is actually from the movie. And number four, where does a mummy come from? Egypt. Correct. And number five, where does the wolfman, or sorry, why does the wolfman wear pants? Because
1: he has to go for his modesty.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I'll take that. The actual answer is, so you don't see his wolf nards. And that is basically from this movie. okay so congratulations even though you're a girl you are cool enough to join me and ross in our totally rad 80s team or at the very least at the very least you can come in at the end of the movie and save us from the baddies teaching us all that (laughs) that that, hey yeah girls are cool after all so (laughs) yes i'm talking about 1987's monster squad directed by fred decker so this is a comedy horror movie uh, written by Shane Black, who at the same time was writing Ross. Do you know? Leo, Leo Weapon. He was, yeah. So he oh was God. writing Lethal Weapon and this at the same time. And also Fred Decker helped with the script. Um well,
1: Ross has managed to work in Little Weapon <laughs> every time. And you should... have managed to work in some bloody superhero reference
0: as well. In every I don't episode. think I've done a superhero uh, yet. Tom no? Holland. Okay, oh, yeah, okay. To, yeah. well, to be right, fair,
2: yeah. Leo Weapon's a very adaptable film as well. You know, if they're talking about religion, you can't not talk about Leo Weapon. That's right. Or monsters, yes. or politics, yeah. or anything.
0: Um, so, this is a movie that I, I wish I remembered when we were talking about our uh, big flops. Because, uh, Ross, you talked about the universal monster universe. Um, yes, that's which right. kind of never really happened for them. But this is. <laughs> so, so, you the- argued. <laughs> Yeah, but this is the 1987 film that I completely forgot. Yeah. Uh, and it's about Dracula who teams up with uh, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, the creature from the Black Lagoon and the mummy to fight a group of uh, basically the Goonies, if you like. Oh, Only God. it was two years after the Goonies happened. So if you've not seen it, it's great fun. And um, there's fantastic monster effects in here, courtesy of the great Stan Winston, uh for example, there's a scene where the mummy gets his bandage caught and it unravels basically like a, a cardigan. Uh, the wolfman is, apart from getting kicked in the nards, which is what I was referring to <laughs> there, which is a great scene, uh, he gets blown to bloody fragments and then kind of has to reassemble. Um, one of the reasons I think this is a really well-loved classic on VHS but didn't do well at the in the box offices because it's rating is a little bit it's it's got it's full of kids that are too young to go and see this film we talked about this a little bit before mm. you know um there's nobody that you can you can identify really in the cast because the film is kind of gory and deals with uh you know stuff that maybe shouldn't be in a kids movie so we have got a 15 rating so the people who were going to see it were kind of going well this is a kids film cuz it's full of kids but um that, you know, like I say, there's there's great parts. So if you imagine Chunk from the Goonies blasting away with a shotgun, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh Dr. Van Helsing turns up here and he gives a ghostly thumbs up to, to the hero. Um what what else do we have? Um there's great throwaway scenes. It's got the same mother who was in the Goonies in this. Now it was two or three years after, but you can see that they were trying to do the Goonies again just with the Universal Monsters. Mm. Um but uh it's still I think I re-watched it again it's still squ- quite scary like the depiction of Dracula and Frankenstein and the wolfman it still if you, it still kind of got me going this is classic kind of monster movie fun here you know um now they had a real hard time when they were making this because they didn't have the actual rights to the universal monsters so they they couldn't. Like the creature from the Black Lagoon had to be called Gilman all the way through. And Frankenstein had to be like 50% different from Boris Karloff. So he has his bolts in his forehead instead of his neck, you know. So it's little stuff like that. Um, There's also uh, a central thing about they have this amulet that's going to destroy the monsters. And it's all about whether or not somebody is a virgin and not to spoil a bit the end. Turns out she's not a virgin. But uh, yeah, um, but I had so much fun rewatching it. I'm not sure if it ages well. Like the thing about the virgin stuff, there's also a plot point where uh, one of the main female characters is uh, blackmailed into joining the, the group because they have they've taken photos of her undressing in her wow. bedroom. so <laughs> Revenge it's like, porn. Yeah, yes. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it was all very 80s and innocent, but it, it it doesn't age well, as I say. Um, There's also a bit where Dracula, who has translated from Transylvania, no pun intended, or moved from Transylvania to America, he ends up, his, his castle, if you like, or his stronghold, is this d- abandoned house. And the the address is 666 Shadowbrook Lane so <laughs> i just imagine dracula you know getting on on the phone after he land, landed in uh, in america going hello i would like to rent the property at 666 Shadowbrook Lane <laughs> oh a oh, uh, uh, utility bill yes well i have something from transylvania <laughs> oh, oh uh, someone to vouch for me well the wolfman possibly but his credit is
2: bad I can imagine the uh, real estate agent going, "Oh, actually, six 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 is unavailable. There is a lovely condo just down the road, six six two on the same road." I'm not interested.
0: <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> and he also has. He ends up. There's a big car chase in this, which is great fun. But Dracula and all of his kind of monsters, well, monsters are are in this hearse with a with a skull. Uh, thing on the front of the hearse and I'm just going how did he have time to get to America and go do you have a hearse can you put a silver skull on the front of the hearse please (laughs) Um, but the Monster Squad I watched it so many times uh, on VHS when I was growing up and I rewatched it again it is such great fun.
2: That looks like a real that's that's me sold I'm going to watch that this Halloween it looks fantastic it sounds fantastic.
1: Well my vampire type creature also does not live in Transylvania. But we'll get to that in a minute because I just have two very uh, cool films that I have to mention as honourable mentions. The first is Cabin in the Woods. Um, Now, I don't want to discuss this one in too much detail. It's from 2011. Stars Chris Hemsworth and Christian Connolly and a host of others. And at first glance it looks like a kind of a bee horror movie you know the teens go away for a wild weekend to stay in a remote cabin to get up to all sorts but it messes around so much with that kind of horror trope uh that and it turns it completely on its head um i remember seeing it in the cinema and thinking this is going to be really bad but it turned out to be just brilliant and it really really surprised me again the monster is not what you think uh by the way words of the wise do not google this movie people do not no. google this movie if you haven't seen it because it totally gives the game away
2: that's um, a great great choice as well shane it is absolutely fantastic i was the exact same when i went to see it i was like this looks so cheesy and terrible but yeah it kind of puts the whole horror genre on its head it's fantastic
1: Really, really good. Uh, so yeah, just don't Google it. Just go watch it. Uh, the other one that I wanted to honorably mention is The Quiet Place. Now, this is really up there, I think, in my top favorite movies ever. It's such a good uh, film. But it's it's a great example of a monster movie that completely blew my mind as well. Uh, starring Emily Blunt and John Krakinski, isn't it? He wrote, uh, co-wrote and directed this as well. And uh, he stars in it alongside her and it's set in a dystopian present day and i'm just going to say if people haven't seen this again i'm going to be just really vague something catastrophic okay has happened uh, to the earth's population and animal life um have been killed off and it opens up with a young family a mom and dad two kids and the mom is pregnant which just adds to an awful lot of um the oh my god horror of this but anyway uh and it opens really really well they're picking up supplies in a rundown supermarket and there's no dialogue they're communicating to each other in sign language and it immediately hooks you in and it's one of those movies where you're just kind of waiting for the horror to come you don't see the monster for ages and then when you do see it it's just like oh my god it absolutely hits you unreal film really really excellent if you haven't seen it do go out and see it it's just brilliant so they're my honorable mentions but of can, course can me, i
2: just say um yeah. about a quiet place as well i remember going to see this in the cinema and i kind of had the general gist of the uh, of the film basically you have to um if it's not given too much away mm-hmm. you have to kind of just stay very quiet um because the the, the monster has a super sensitive sense of hearing and, and will will get you basically if you make any noise at all but of course I, I, I'd assumed there'd be loads of tension building music so I was in the cinema crowded cinema watching this movie with a big big family sized tub of popcorn oh and,
1: you were not that guy
2: and I had to be I was like this <laughs> <laughs> Eating them one at a time. I think by the, film, the time the film was finished, because I, I presumed there'd be music and stuff, um, but I couldn't just take a handful. But I, I left half the thing there behind it. it was, Yeah, it was very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you understand.
0: know, if, if you were behind yourself at that movie, if future you was yeah. behind yourself as you noisily ate that popcorn,
2: it was very yourself. quietly. I know I would hate myself, you're right, sorry. Uh,
1: The clues in the title, the the quiet Yeah, I know. Anyway, (laughs) it's really excellent again uh, and just fantastic performances all round and it's one of those ones that really stays with you as well long after you've seen it. Um, But the monster for me is a real favourite around Halloween uh, but they can be found in year-round movies and TV uh, shows and all the rest. And again, like the zombies that we were talking about uh, earlier on, the public's thirst for vampires Seems as endless as the vampire's thirst for blood. Yes, I did do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to really go into this sparkly variety because there's absolutely nothing terrifying about those vampires. We also have all. covered them before. We have covered them. In
0: before. our famous... Uh, movies that are blockbusters that shouldn't be blockbusters yeah Mm. for me
1: though you know again i'm gonna go back to the 80s all the time anytime i can and uh, for me it has to be the the last boys and I, i do have A lot of movies that I, uh, with vampires that I love. Like I do love um, Fright Night. I do love Interview with a Vampire. I do love Let the Right One In. Great uh, movie. The Swedish version uh, of that one as well. If you haven't seen that one, that's a great one. But this one is my all-time favourite. I think because it's kind of a comedy (laughs) as well. It's Mm. like a black comedy horror film. And has a great ensemble cast. Um, All the 80s favourites are in there as well. Corey Haim. Uh, Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Corey Feldman is in there, Diane West, uh, and yeah, loads. Bernard Hughes as well, of course, who, who, who Oh, he's great. He's yeah. just fantastic in, in this. So again, you know, as I mentioned earlier on this, you know, surge in vampire movies around the time of the eighties and nineties, again, was to do with, um, drug culture and also the AIDS epidemic as well. And here we see a group of boys becoming creatures of the night. Um, Now, what I loved about this is, apart from how really cool and trippy it looks and the really eerie soundtrack of the kind of choral choir boy kind of singing, um, it's quite eerie, all of that, the the real mood of it. But this tale is not set in a Transylvanian castle. There's no kind of swirling dark shadows, really. The movie is set in the full glare of the Californian sunshine. Okay, so it's immediately kind of jarring, you know. Um, So the story begins with Michael Emerson, and his younger brother sam and they travel with their recently divorced mother lucy to the small uh, beach town of santa carla in california to live with her extremely eccentric father uh, just known as grandpa so they hang out as most kids would in the really lively boardwalk area and there's a kind of a summer carnival going on and the whole boardwalk is plastered though with flowers of missing people uh, mostly kids Lucy gets a job at the video store, which is uh, run by the local bachelor called Max. And um, Michael, the older brother, becomes fascinated by this uh, mysterious girl just known as Star. Uh, She's a young woman that he spots on the boardwalk. But she seems to be kind of, uh, let's say, in deep with a motorcycle gang uh, led by the mysterious David. And uh, what happens is it's kind of this... You know, initiation type thing with Michael into the gang. And it turns out that it's far more sinister. Uh, They have given him blood to drink and uh, he starts to become the the unjudged. There's so many uh, great, great scenes in this, but Mm. the scene where Sam, the younger brother, realizes what has happened to his older brother and he calls him a goddamn blood sucking vampire (laughs) is just (laughs) a brilliant scene uh, in it. And I think we'll just hear a little bit of that now you creature of the night, Michael. Just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy. Sammy what? Sam! It's just brilliant. Like, And again, mm. you know, you have the fantastic um, brothers, uh, the Edgar brothers, uh, Corey Feldman... Uh, are, they, are they called the Frog Brothers? The Frog, the Frog Brothers. Brothers. That's yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Edgar and Alan Frog, uh, Corey Fieldman uh, there as well. Absolutely brilliant. They're the vampire hunters here and they give him horror comics to teach him about the threat that has infiltrated uh, their, their, their nice town in Santa Carla. Absolutely brilliant. Again, the very end, not to spoil it, but the granddad has the best uh, line <laughs> as well. At the end, absolutely brilliant. It's one of those ones that I could probably quote. Uh, I've watched it that much. Um, but again, there's a lot of messing around with the, you know, what you would expect from a vampire movie. And uh, it's just brilliant. I loved the fact that the dark comic humour is thrown in there as well for a bit of light relief. But Kiefer Sutherland as a vampire will always terrify me. Absolutely. <laughs> And actually,
2: yeah. there's a there's a great connection between the Lost Boys and a horror movie which came out last year, which I think we all enjoyed, and that was Jordan Peele's Us. Um, if yes. you remember, yeah, if you, if you remember start. at the start of that movie, yeah, that's right. They're going to a um, the boardwalk of Santa Cruz in California, and um, you you hear the father mention, oh, they're they're filming and um, they're they're shooting a film over there by the carousel. And they walk on by it anyway. But actually, strangely enough, it's set in 1986, in 1986, on the Santa Cruz boardwalk in California, by a carousel. They were actually filming Lost Boys. Now, it's set in the fictional town of Santa mm. Carla, which is fairly obviously based on Santa Cruz. But it's just an interesting little Easter egg for any fans of Jordan Peele or indeed the movie Us.
0: Oh, and then and, yeah, and, and also, like um, it it came out the same year as The Monster Squad. Yeah, think be, the year after could be yeah. could be why like I, it came out like Lost Boys came out in '87, so did mm. the Monster Squad, and I think it could be why the Monster Squad was not a success at the box office because the Lost Boys is just a much better cinema movie. Really, <laughs> I mean, as much as I like Monster Squad, it's it's a it's a you know a guilty pleasure from my childhood, but Lost Boys is up there with the, some of the best of them. Oh it definitely uh, is. Yeah, and it
2: has a like a who's who of like teen stars in the eighties mm. as well, you know.
1: Okay, so uh who's in the firing line this week? Who is going to be eaten by zombies if they don't
2: watch a movie? <laughs> one thousand and one films to see before we kill you. Yeah, so it's uh it's my turn to go for This, our weekly episode of 1001 Movies to Watch before, I'm actually mauled to (laughs) death by a werewolf. Um, Yes, so this year I went back to 1985 and Teen Wolf. Anyone who's familiar with this film, I'm probably one of the last people in the world who hasn't seen it until just this week. It stars Michael J. Fox, and he's playing this kind of thoroughly unimpressive 17-year-old in small town Nebraska. His basketball team just absolutely stink uh, their coach begs the other side to let them forfeit in some cases and um, he can't uh, he can't seem to get the attention of the popular blonde in school and um, he seems not to notice or maybe he just doesn't care that his childhood friend and um, booth seems to be in love with him and um, he's noticed as a lot of boys well i would have said maybe earlier than that hair has started appearing in places it hasn't before <laughs> Uh, yes, in this movie, Becoming a Werewolf kind of steps in as a kind of a puberty story device in some ways, the same way Gaining Powers uh, became a kind of mes- a metaphor for puberty in Sam Raimi's 2002 Spider-Man. And actually, strangely enough, in both movies, there's very similar quotes about um how you have to be more careful with more responsibility Uh, let's have a listen to the line from 2002 uh sam raimi's spider-man remember with great power comes great responsibility that was of course uncle ben advising peter parker that with great power comes great responsibility it may however have been um inspired by 1985's Teen Wolf. Have a listen to the advice Michael J. Fox's character gets from his father. When you want it,
0: you're going to have great
2: power. And with great power goes a greater responsibility. And what did I think about Teen Wolf? I think everyone knows what this story is about. Um, I was actually very surprised because it had a lot of the elements I thought I would love. It had Michael J. Fox, it had a high school setting, a campy monster. I was ready for a good time
1: Oh, he doesn't like attempted. it. Burn
2: him! Burn him! Burn zombies. him! Get the zombies.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's hear. Let's hear. You know, boy, you know, he know what's like going to
2: happen. So obviously he 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 turns into a werewolf. Um, you know he turns into a werewolf. He does great On the basketball team. He gets he starts to become more popular. gets the attention of everyone in the school, and then starts to not feel like an average. You know, an average 17-year-old from a nowhere town in Nebraska. Um, yeah, so I was ready. I was totally on board. I was definitely in the mood to watch it. I couldn't wait. I thought it was going to be fantastic. I just have no idea how it gained its cult classic-like status. Uh, you know, first of all, one thing that really stood out to me when I first watched it was the music. The music in it is, first of all, it's terrible. There's a montage. <laughs> the 80s, man, I know it's the eighties, and I, I like it. Oh, you're talking t- I, like
0: t- I know the montage you're talking about. At the age, which is the him end. playing yeah basketball, uh, for about it's... for
2: about fourteen and a half minutes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Who has a monte- montage that goes on that long? But it's not just that; a terrible choice of song. And I usually love my montage eighties songs. Just look at all of Rocky. It's the only reason I watch those movies. But but it there's other. Jarring, stabbing music that makes no sense in the context of the movie. The volume of it doesn't make any sense either, and the way the way it's introduced. Anyway, the music is terrible. If you if you if you go back and watch that movie, just the music irritated me so much. There's no real sense of drama in it as well. I I thought there's going to be more him trying to hide the fact that he's a werewolf, or more um more conversation. This is with uh, father, but, uh,
0: but, uh, you see, Ross, you, you've mistaken. This is not a horror movie. This is a oh, character drama. This is I'm, not about. I mean, Car- re- realistically, drama, people. On. Realistically, people will be going. Have you heard about the high school basketball team who have a werewolf fund? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love and he that just he plays. Hide it. I love yeah. that he's just rocking his werewolf. This is out. about Scott uh, learning to oh deal my. with the fact that if if success comes, however that may come, he can't change who he is inside, and he needs to look. Beyond the the popular blonde, and and uh, you know, get it together with Booth who is no, yeah, you know. Thanks,
2: I got I got the me- I got the message from nineteen eighty five's Teen Wolf. It wasn't very well <laughs> hidden, and um, thanks, I, you know, it didn't require a second viewing. And um, look, you forgive stuff like the makeup being terrible as well, which isn't really a criticism. The the, terrible. The, 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 the first of all, the, first of all,
1: awesome. all right, makeup. we're,
2: we're finishing this. This no. is the end. First we are, all. you
0: are, you are one film closer to us killing well, you.
2: Well, I will say, I will say this. I'm not the only person who didn't like it. Cause Michael oh. J. Fox obviously wasn't even key, that keen. Cause he didn't want to come back for the, for the sequel back in 1980, in 1987. He, he just did. said, yeah. I've told,
0: standalone. I have, I have told, my story with Teen Wolf let oh the God. franchise pass on to Jason Bateman, and yeah. <laughs> you know Teen Wolf two, brilliant, fantastic, another brilliant another uh, entry yeah in, yeah. The, yeah in the Teen but, Wolf franchise. Well, look,
2: obviously, obviously it was a flyaway success. It made like eighty million uh, from a budget of one point two million, and it did spawn a sequel, as we said. Had an animated TV series. I think yes, yeah, bring it. And yeah. uh, uh, and uh, it was rebooted as a TV series as well, which ran on MTV yeah. for like six years. I mean, years I'm in the 90s. I'm
0: all in. I don't know what your problem is. Look,
2: <laughs> like, it's a great it's a great idea for a movie, and I was fully on board to really enjoy it. I love Michael J. Fox, especially around the '80s period. I think he's fantastic. Uh, and look, it had all the ingredients of a really, really great kind of fun. Horror movie, but uh, or not fun, fun kind of um, monster teen comedy, but it just c- fell completely flat for me. Really didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, I failed. And to see uh, what we like we it have so
0: seen we have seen the teenager goes in to buy beer without their their ID scene yeah. in yeah. a lot of movies. American Graffiti, yes, that's uh, right. super bad, but none is better than. Michael J. Fox going in and giving him the
2: wolf eyes and going eyes. I want a keg of beer. Yeah. It's well, awesome. It's awesome. I, yeah, I actually did there's some I feel like it's really bad messages for any kids watching that as well because his <laughs> just his horrible his horrible best friend um suggests coming in styles who i can't stand suggest going oh, in suggest going in and and with a with a fake gun in his pocket and pointing at the riser. <laughs> it is that in america you 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 like to get your head blown off by the, by uh, the this of was the character. 80s this was the when 80s when no one had and guns if,
0: if my best friend encouraged me to surf on the top of a van yeah, yeah. i would do yeah but no, I, I think this is a generational thing, Sinead. Um, you know, I,
1: I, I was thinking, actually, when we gave him this task to watch this, <laughs> I was thinking that, oh, this could be the one that... Right, I, that our, breaks our, him. Our amazing yeah. childhood movie does yeah. not pass. And, you know,
2: sometimes yes. on a, when I'm going to write movies, they start at zero and build their way up. This started at a five and just shot its way down. Oh! <gasps> That's know. it, right, that, yeah.
1: right, that's it that's it. Yeah. Uh, all of our
2: dreams.
0: So Ed, edit, edit all that out We just need to, get rid <laughs> to <of> that, <laughs> trample yeah.
1: all over Lethal Weapon <laughs> or something um, <laughs> Okay, at that juncture I think it's time To murder a scene
0: I don't know if I can now I don't know if I can I, I just feel like my childhood's been No, no, you need on. to
1: get that rage, dude Harness that rage, okay, <laughs> okay. into your performance Alright Okay
0: it's time to
1: murder a scene okay so it is time for us to murder a scene Niall, do you want to set this one
0: up absolutely so this is uh the uh classic movie directed by todd browning the first uh, cinematic uh, version of the actual dracula we'd seen vampires in nosferatu from 1922 but todd browning brought us the first and still I think iconic uh, version of the character uh, played by uh, Bella Lugosi so um, let's just without further ado say action
1: I am Dracula
2: oh it's, it's really good to see you I don't know what happened to the driver and my luggage and well and with all this I, I thought I was in the wrong place I bid you welcome. Listen to them, children of the night.
0: What music they make. Interior Inside Castle Dracula, enter Renfield. Enter Dracula, down a long flight of
2: stairs.
1: I am Dracula.
2: It's uh, really good to see you. Uh, I I don't know what happened to the driver and and my luggage. and uh, Well, with all this, I thought I was in the wrong place.
1: I bid you welcome.
0: Dracula heads upstairs. Off stage, Wolf Call. How
1: <laughs> listen to them, children of the night. What music
2: they make.
0: Renfield follows Dracula, breaking a path through the spider webs.
2: A
1: spider Spinning his web for the unwary fly. The blood
2: is the life, Mr. Renfield. Why, yes.
0: And <laughs> seen. I don't Am think that... Renfield laughs heartily at the end. <laughs> yeah.
2: Imagine meeting I someone though. And that was your first introduction uh, Oh here like,
0: Sinead That was fantastic That was yeah. better than Gary Oldman like yes. Oh come on something. now
1: I don't know about that I don't know about Oh that. no
0: Brilliant, you see, brilliant. I, I,
1: I I, do like the Cool. But um mm-hmm. We hope you liked Our spectacular, Special Monster Mash edition Of The Real Take Happy Halloween Film fans
0: We'll see you At the
1: Ghouliard <laughs> <laughs> Sit down and grab a glass
2: Sinead, Ross
1: and Niall have made a podcast It's The Real Take, breaking it down Having fun and talking movies Talking
0: movies You have been listening to The Real Take Presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Lee, and Niall O'Brien our music was provided by actor, artist, and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at TheRealTakePodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.